At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The following podcast is a production of the Factual Data Creations Facility. Welcome to the OFNT Podcast, episode 187, which I'm calling Goo Goog Google. Well, autumn seems to have come upon us this weekend. Dare I say, it's chilly at the Old Fart residence today. I haven't put the heat on yet in order to save money. You know how it goes. So, how are you doing today? Hey, I have an idea. Why don't we just get this show rolling? Tech news. I'm going to start off this week's tech news with a mini Google roundup. Because of last week's Pixel event, the Big G has been getting more attention in the tech press space than usual. The seven-year software update commitment for Pixel phones that Google announced was very well received by tech websites and YouTube channels alike. With just a little bit of skepticism. Many applauded the decision and hoped it would spur other manufacturers of Android phones to do the same. No. I'm sure Samsung will follow suit and perhaps Motorola and maybe OnePlus. Forget about the lesser-known brands, though. Those companies operate on razor-thin profit margins and most likely outsource their software development. These small brands aren't in a financial position to hire a full software team and provide seven years of operating system updates. Many sites wondered if the Pixel 8 series of phones would even last seven years to receive these updates. Well, time will tell on that. Some even wondered if the later updates would even be full updates, with one YouTube channel suggesting that the phone would probably receive a gimped version of the latest Android release. Yes. Another YouTube channel pointed out Google's track record of promising things only to drop them later. Take the numerous messaging apps they've launched and discarded over the years, for example. In my opinion, this seven-year operating system guarantee is a positive and great for consumers. And yes, those last system updates the Pixel 8 series will get are going to be a GIMP version, because by that time, the Tensor G3 chip, which powers the phones, will be ancient tech and not capable of being upgraded to the full version of Android, like the then-modern phones will Will Android even be around in 2030? For years, it's been rumored that Google is working on a replacement for Android called Fauxia or Fauxia. And with the AI developments of late, this Android replacement will probably be one of the first mobile operating systems based on it. In an announcement last week, which sort of slipped under the radar... 
Google announced the Chromebook Plus program, which will double the specs of the basic Chromebook model. Under this program, Chromebooks will be powered by lower-end chips like the Intel Core i3 12th generation, along with AMD graphics chips, a minimum of 8 gigs of RAM, 128 gigs of storage, 1080p IPS displays, and 1080p webcams with video noise reduction. Also, various software that's not available to non-plus Chromebooks, including AI enhancements, will be included, along with enhanced offline capabilities. Prices for these Chromebook Plus certified models will range from $399 to $699. So far, Acer, Asus, HP, and Lenovo are the manufacturers on board with this Plus program. I support the whole light client computing concept, which to me makes some sense and gives the consumer more and often cheaper options for their computing needs, which is a good thing. If you're starting out in adult life and you don't mind Google vacuuming up all your data, <laughs> you could purchase a mid-tier plus Chromebook, use Google's office suite of apps, or pay for a Google Workspace subscription and use free streaming services for your entertainment. If you wanted to use Microsoft software, you could pay 7 bucks a month for Office 365 or whatever they're calling it now. Currently have an iPhone? Well, you already have a top-notch office suite available online. A few episodes back, I told you that I was shopping for a Chromebook to replace my MacBook Air. The plan was to use the online versions of Apple productivity software, which is available on iCloud.com. What upended that plan was that to get a Chromebook with the specs I wanted, you know, a backlit keyboard, higher resolution screens of at least uh, 15 inches, etc., it would cost about the same or even more in some cases than the current Apple 15-inch MacBook Air which has a better screen and storage than the Chromebook models I looked at. That's why I was hoping Google would have introduced a new Pixelbook at last week's event. As far as the tech world's take on the Pixel 8 and Pixel 8 Pro goes, most sites and YouTube channels say the plain Pixel 8 is the one to go for this year, which mirrors most outlets saying the same thing about the iPhone 15 versus the Pro versions. CNET and a few others are saying that the Pixel 8 Pro has camera problems with artifacts apparent in photos, but hey, that's a software issue which I'm sure will be corrected shortly with the next Android update. Many also wish Google would have released the Pro with a smaller screen size akin to the standard Pixel 8s, and I agree with this. More on that in the Tech I'm Using section. Another complaint was that the benchmark performance of the new Tensor G3 chip wasn't much better than the old G2 Tensor, but these are just benchmarks. They're not based on real-life usage. You know, the speeds of modern chips are so fast that the average user probably wouldn't even notice a difference. Now, if you're gaming, well, that's a different matter. I'm sure you would definitely notice a difference then. The jury is out on battery life as the batteries which equip the new pixels are actually smaller than last year's models. So I guess users shouldn't expect much improvement in battery life, which is unfortunate. The good news is that all tech news sources I saw agree that the display of the Pixel 8 Pro is one of the best they've seen on a smartphone, which, due to my aging eyesight, I must admit I'm kind of envious of. All in all, it seems that it was a good year for Pixel phones. To wrap up this Google News section, alas, on a note that some may find disappointing, 
It's being reported that there is no Pixel A series coming this year and probably won't be coming ever again. The Pixel A series was the budget model of the Pixel line and provided the consumer with a cheaper way into the Pixel ecosystem, much like the Apple iPhone SE does for iOS. The A series phones retain most of the features of its brethren while skimping on things such as build quality, using plastic versus aluminum construction, a slightly lower resolution screen, and a slower CPU. Either the sales numbers weren't high enough to warrant continuation of the A line, or Google realized that the A series was too good, which led to cannibalizing sales of the company's higher end and more financially lucrative phones. No matter the reason, this will shut out many consumers from Google Pixel's ecosystem and force them to buy phones from Samsung or others. My son used a Pixel 6a back in what someone recently told me was the day and was totally satisfied with it. Well, for his needs anyway. From Digital Trends, the Aura Ring, which I use and sometimes love, is adding three new features. Well, if you're a subscriber to their enhanced service anyway. The first is daytime stress, which will identify stress triggers by measuring tiny changes in biometrics such as heart rate, HRV, and temperature. The information generated by these biometrics will be collected every 15 minutes and will help users see which experiences add stress to their day and which ones help them recover. The second new feature is Reflections. This feature provides an AI-powered journal function in the Aura app that lets users record short journal entries and track mood and mental state. (sighs) Yeah, I have no need for that. The text is transcribed by speech recognition, while AI-powered auto-tagging creates a context for the user's Aura data. The final new feature is Stress Resilience which accesses the user's ability to withstand physiological stress by tracking daytime stress load, daytime recovery, and recovery during sleep. Okay. Well, stress load won't be released until sometime this winter, and the other two haven't reached my Aura app yet, so I can't tell you if these new features actually do anything. The only one of the three that sort of interests me is the daytime stress one. Though, since I've stopped working, I don't really get that stressed any longer. Well, unless I watch the news or, heaven forbid, go on social media. (laughs) You know, I wish Aura would just go back to basics, recapture the magic ability to warn you of oncoming sickness, and let you know how your body is doing with the accuracy they've seemed to have lost since version 3 of the ring. Perhaps it's just me with my weird body and metabolism, but I remember the Series 2 ring predicting illness in advance, though I felt great at that moment. The Series 3 ring that I currently wear failed to warn me of the upcoming COVID infection that I got and reported that I was at my peak the morning the symptoms hit, which included a sore throat and a fever. Go figure. Amazon-owned Ring is offering a $1 million prize for proof of UFOs. What? This according to an article on Business Insider. That's right, if your Ring camera manages to capture an unidentified flying object or an alien life form, you can claim that $1 million prize. Wow! Cue the fake submissions of examples of UFOs or alien beings, probably crafted with the assistance of AI. The submissions for the prize will be verified by a so-called UFO expert. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm not buying this whole UFO thing that's surfaced recently. 
Though I have myself witnessed two things I can't explain in the night skies, I believe this is being used as a distraction from more pressing problems. Next year's Apple Watch will lack any significant innovation, analyst claims, reads the headline from TechRadar.com. Well, this just contradicts the whole Apple Watch X rumor that spun around the tech press world just weeks before the Apple iPhone 15 event, where the Series 9 watch was also introduced. Hmm. The source of this counter-rumor is none other than Apple supply chain analyst supreme, Mr. Ming-Chi Kuo. The Apple Watch X rumor must have put a large dent in the sales of this year's Series 9, with a rumored 15% sales decrease, as people are just fine with their current models and won't be enticed to buy a new one until either major features such as blood pressure and glucose monitoring are added, or a major redesign, or perhaps both. Co is predicting both will occur in 2025 or 2026, not 2024. Okay, put your tinfoil hat on now. Have you gotten it on? Good. Maybe a certain analyst was the recipient of an investment of cash into one of his projects by some anonymous venture capitalist fund or received the promise of more access to the inner workings of a certain tech company that is named after a popular fruit. Hmm. Just saying. (laughs) And finally, for the tech section... TheStreet.com is reporting that YouTube is cracking down on consumers that use adblock. It seems users that use these ad blockers are doing it in order to get a ad-free experience on YouTube. Duh. Without paying for YouTube premium like other saps of which I am amongst. Recently, these adblock users are receiving a pop-up notification that they are limited to watching only three videos on its website before video playback is disabled. Of course, this has caused the adblock users to be up in arms, and I don't blame them. Ads on YouTube are really invasive, along with being annoying. Some users say they're going to abandon YouTube, but where are they going to go? Rumble? Fine if you like mostly political-themed content. Unfortunately, there's just nothing like YouTube out there. You know, Google just upped the price for YouTube Premium to 14 bucks a month, which I grudgingly pay for, because I mostly watch the servers for my entertainment needs these days. Supposedly, steadily decreasing ad revenue has spurred this crackdown as advertisers have been cutting back on their spending on all platforms because of this lousy economy we've all been living through lately. I don't think this crackdown will solve anything, though. When times are tough, people make sacrifices, and entertainment is usually the first to go. Well, we'll just have to wait and see. Tech I'm using. Well, I finally took delivery of my long-awaited iPhone 15 Pro Max on Tuesday. Uh, Yay! How dare you? (laughs) Yeah, boy. Unfortunately, my lovely wife's phone is still showing a delivery date of mid to late November. Uh Uh-oh. And I must admit, it's causing a little friction within the old Ford household. First impression? Well, it's big. A little too big. Second impression? Well, it's an iPhone. Nothing dramatically different compared to my two-year-old poor person's edition of the iPhone 13. The screen seems better, and things seem to be noticeably faster, but I don't know if it's because of the new A17 chip or the 120 hertz refresh rate, or maybe it's a combination of both. Yeah, 
The iPhone now uses USB-C for charging and data transfer, but this has caused me to purchase new cables in order to do those things. Setting up the new phone took a few minutes and is a much improved experience than it used to be. Transferring my cellular account info from my old phone to the new one took about a minute. Even getting the old phone ready for trade-in has streamlined. All you have to do now is wipe the phone. There's no more turning off Find My. The only glitch I had was my own fault. I walked away while pairing my watch, which bricked it, causing me to have to reset the thing using an iCloud backup before being able to pair the watch to the new phone. I've put an expensive Spigen glass screen protector on it, and because my Nomad leather case hadn't arrived yet, I purchased a $10 Mifigno mag case, which turned out to be much better than I thought it would be, which had me considering canceling the Nomad case. Well, I'm glad I didn't cancel, though. The Nomad case arrived Thursday, and I'm very happy with it. The phone just feels much better in the Nomad case than it did with the other one. The phone took but one click to pair to CarPlay in my Toyota, which was a relief. Thank you. I've experienced none of the overheating issues others have reported having, and after my initial optimization, battery life has been much, much better than what I was getting from the old iPhone 13. I am having regrets on going for the Mac-sized iPhone, though. Yes, it will be easier to edit documents on it, which I use as the justification for buying the Mac size, but realistically, I should have just went for the standard-sized iPhone Pro. I can say that I'm satisfied with my purchase and hope to get at least three years out of it. I've only had the phone since Tuesday evening, so I'll let you know how it performs as time goes on. Even before Amazon's recent Prime Days Part 2 had even started last week, I noticed that the Ring Indoor Camera 2-pack went on sale for half the price, so I bought them. $60 versus $120 was too good of a deal to pass up, so I pulled the trigger. Where I'm going to put these cameras is another question. I haven't really thought about it yet. To wrap things up for this section, I've decided for sure this time... That I'm going for the Mac Mini made it to a Dell 32-inch curved 4K monitor for my desktop replacement. I'll most likely order the stuff next week, or the week after. I'm a little apprehensive about the setup, though. I don't really want to transfer from the old iMac because it's Intel-based, while the Mac Mini is powered by Apple Silicon. We'll just have to sit back and see how it all goes. Entertainment News Geez, I thought that the Screen Actors Guild strike had ended when the writer strike was resolved. No, dear, that's wrong. Again, I was wrong. And this goes to prove the old adage that nobody pays me to think is, in fact, true. <laughs> Not only are the actors still on strike, but the studios have just broken off talks with them. This after the studio's latest offer amounted to even less of what their union wanted, need demanded, than previous offers. The biggest demand that's causing this impasse is the actors want revenue sharing from streaming services. The problem with this is that the studios are losing millions if not billions of dollars on their streaming services. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that a negative balance cannot yield anything to share. Maybe the studios can offer revenue sharing when there is actually revenue to be shared, and if there isn't any, the actors can take pay cuts to make up for the losses. Now that would be real revenue sharing, and of course the Actors Guild has no interest in that. No. 
To tell the truth, the public doesn't have any sympathy for the majority of these actors, in my opinion, many who make more money for one movie than the average person makes in a few years, if not a lifetime. These actors even had the audacity to suggest a fee be imposed on streaming service subscribers to make up for this profit shortfall. Yeah, no sympathy here. Podcast News Well, if you haven't noticed, I dusted off, I mean literally dusted off, my old Rode Procaster microphone. I did this in order to see how it sounded with the new interface I'm using that I told you about last episode. And speaking of the Lewitt Connect 6 audio interface, hey, like how I segued into that? No! The other day I was playing around with it along with my neat King B condenser mic and for the life of me I couldn't get any audio out of the interface's second input. Using input 1 worked just fine. I thought that I had found out the reason why the interface was sold as refurbished. Though it appeared to be in new condition upon delivery, my digital audio workstation was showing me that a signal was being received and it was outputting a signal, but I couldn't get any sounds out of my headphones. Of course, I suffered a small panic attack until getting a hold of myself and figuring out that I had to link the input channel with the output channel by simply clicking on a chain icon within the software. Besides that, I also saw that the Connect 6 had a $50 price drop on Amazon. Well, I'm glad I only paid 201 bucks for it, so I figure, uh, well, I'm still ahead. In other news from the world of podcasting is the continued consolidation of individual shows into networks and networks being absorbed into major companies. This week, the Magnolia Podcast Network joined the Roost Podcast Network, which is a division of the Warner Brothers Discovery Rooster Teeth division. I believe this trend will continue because it's also being reported that the number of new podcasts has fallen some 33% so far this year. The biggest drop was last year, which saw a 67% decline in new podcast launches. Again, I'm officially declaring that the podcast boom is over, which is probably a good thing for independent production studios, podcasts, and podcast listeners. At least that's my opinion. What say you? And finally, congratulations to Todd Cochran, CEO of the Blueberry Podcast Hosting Service, whose GNC, which stands for Geek News Central Podcast, celebrated its 19th birthday this month. Wow! In contrast, this show, the OFNT Podcast, will be celebrating its fourth birthday on Halloween. I plan on releasing a special episode which will celebrate this fact, but don't expect some sort of spectacular. I'll just tell the story of how the concept of the show came about and the stumbles I went through to get that first embarrassing episode out. Be on the lookout for it. That is, if you're interested. Well, it's time for a rant. Jeez, where does the time go? I try to keep these episodes short these days, so there will be no story. I have instead a small rant for you. As I mentioned earlier, YouTube is my go-to place for television entertainment. Well, at least lately. Mostly I watch police body camera footage and it just amazes me that the general public has seemed to lost respect for authority, any authority, especially police officers, no matter what sex, race, or creed the officer is. Just yesterday I watched a video from a Walmart located in Florida. Three young women from Romania, all in this country illegally, I might add, were caught shoplifting and later we would find out that it wasn't their first time. 
Well, the three thought that the whole situation was just hilarious, with one of them declaring that stealing isn't a crime in the United States and questioned why the cops were even messing with them. These three had absolutely no respect for the officers and the country in general. While being taken to the police station, one of them declared that because she was under the age of 18, she couldn't be held on bond or even arrested for that matter. Once at the police station, it was found that this trio had warrants out for their arrest and a retainer for deportation from Immigration and Customs Enforcement, better known as the infamous ICE. The three were still talking crap until they were told that they were being held for ICE, who were on the way to pick them up. The dynamic trio's demeanor suddenly changed with them questioning why ICE was getting involved. The video ended on that happy note. Boy, I love happy endings. These three idiots most likely came to the U.S. via tourist visas, probably through New York. Intentionally overstaying their visas likely made possible because New York is a sanctuary city and they were able to draw whatever public assistance they put in for. I'm pretty sure their crime spree started shortly after with them being arrested and then released when the DAs either dropped the charges or they were given court appearance notices, which they most likely ignored. Their mistake was traveling to the state of Florida thinking it would be business as usual. Well, Florida is not a sanctuary state and does cooperate with ICE. Hopefully these three are on their way back to Romania, thinking it was fun while it lasted. Well, the music is playing as the podcast as well as the day winds down. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed making it for you. If you like what you heard, you can make a donation using the link in the show notes. Any and all donations will be appreciated. You know, you can always reach me at OFNTPodcast at gmail.com if you're so inclined. I'd enjoy hearing from you. Yeah, I really would. Remember, don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. Well, there's nothing to hear or see anymore, so why don't you get off my lawn? Stay skeptical. I'm out. See ya.